Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today I speak with Me Paints Me, artist and curator. Hope you enjoy. Hey, what's up? How you doing? I'm good. It's, uh, it was a beautiful day in New Jersey. Oh, really? That's all I asked for. Yeah. yeah. Where in Jersey are you? I'm in what's called Rutherford, New Jersey. It's like 20 minutes from Manhattan, but I'm from northern New Jersey. So, okay. Despite... Yeah, I'm, from New- I'm fellow New Jerseyan. Oh, really? Yeah. How strange. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Monmouth County. Uh-huh, I was um, from Passaic County. Okay, yeah, yeah. Near, um, near Red Bank? I don't know if you know Red Bank. This is like more south, right? Is Red Bank a beach? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a... I grew up probably maybe 15 minutes from the shore. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, Red Bank's relatively close. Asbury Park's around there. Um, That's interesting. It's a, I find Asbury a very interesting um, thing to contemplate aesthetically. Asbury is weird. Yeah, it's it's weird, and I think in my more negative days, I was turned off by the rockabilly thing. <laughs> I've right. come to I think I've come to appreciate the rockabilly sensibility, but it's pretty bad, you know. Like New Jersey has a very interesting visual aesthetic when it comes to the I don't even want to call it contemporary art, but be it like Jersey City graffiti murals or or whatever's yeah. going on in Asbury, these kind of rehabilitation efforts that often oh amount yeah, to Asbury some really Park. bad art. Asbury Park's been, uh, I think, rehabilitated maybe uh, 150 times since I've left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always, they're always kind of going through these permutations, but uh, I haven't been there in a long time, so I can't really say. I can't talk to the rockabilly aesthetic. Yeah, I've, I only knew it later in my life. So New Jersey, huh? That's interesting. You know, from my perspective, I was running a gallery about five years ago, and that must have been when I came across your Instagram, which is me paints me, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I felt some kind of kinship or shared taste, which is not always common for me. Mm-hmm. And do you have a concise way of explaining what that taste is? <laughs> concise. Um, I guess, I don't know, psychological, um, I think, I think I touch on a few different areas. I mean, definitely, um, art historical is one, I think uh, sort of a, um, I guess you could say an untold story of, uh, art history. Um, it's eclectic. And um, I deal with a lot of different elements in these threads through art history, 
spiritualism, um, death and mortality. Um, uh, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Romanticism. Uh, Was that something that you developed over time? Uh, do you think taste in general can be acquired or do you think it's innate? Oh, I definitely feel it can be acquired. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've always sort of gravitated towards art and culture that, um, I guess has, uh, those ideas and those qualities. Film. Yeah, like a concise, for me, it's about concise symbols dealing with, I would say, eternal themes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's something I'm interested in, in respect yeah. to art. Um, for this reason, I'm not really interested in pop art or even the use of pop symbols as a way to access this. It can work, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, despite being drawn to juxtapose when I was in high school, um, I certainly didn't last too long for me, but I'm kind of curious in high school where, what were you looking at? Is there, well, in high school, my, I mean, my interest in art kind of, um, started and ended, uh, with cartooning and illustration. Hmm. Um, my mother and father are both painters. Um, and, um, so I was introduced to probably art history earlier than most. Um, and, you know, I just, I don't know if it was just that teenage rebellion. I just never early on gravitated to, to it. Um, it wasn't really till I went to college and, sort of studied art history and it was kind of like this revelation for me. Um, Revelation, what I mean by that is I had a lot of images and ideas that were sort of tapped, that were in the back of my mind, I think growing up and I had never really accessed them. So going to an art history class really tapped into those sort of memory banks and uh, it was really uh, astounding but uh, yeah in high school I was pretty much just uh, cartooning illustration that was what I went to college for I majored in that initially mm. um, and that only lasted for about half a semester <laughs> I suppose that makes sense um, as comics and cartooning are the distillation of the visual language to get at the symbol as quickly as possible. I think sometimes just Mm -hmm. like how pure can you make it? But in respect to your parents art, would it fall in line with the aesthetic that you have on me paints me? No, no, no. Um, I would say quite the opposite. Interesting. Um, my mother's paintings are very bright. Um, Fovist, if you know that mm. term. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my father's it's a beautiful term. Yeah, and my father's work is more, I guess, in the tradition of 
just observational mm. landscape painting. Um, and, and were they career artists? Yeah, they, uh, I mean, they both taught at uh, the local community college uh, where I grew up. And, but they were always pursuing a career in art. They were showing um, occasionally and selling pretty regularly. So it was, it was definitely an introduction to the profession. Yeah, I was always, I've always been curious about what it means to have art parents, you know, because I, I'm very grateful for my parents and the fact that in a lot of ways that they aren't artists sure. and that they could represent normality or just like a central core that's just stable and not terribly weird, you know? And, and I think in that way, it allowed me to explore. I'm also the fifth child of right. five, five boys, and you're always offered that freedom as, like, the last kid, I think. Sure. But I, I'm, just, I'm just interested in what that is like. Like, uh, like you were mentioning the rebellion you in, encountered. Was there a desire to rebel? Like, did you want to become like a finance bro or something to, re <laughs> to rebel against it? Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't rebel in that way. Um, okay. What I mean by rebelling is, um, I mean definitely in the types of art that they were interested in, um, and culturally what they were interested in music. I mean, I can't say, you know, everything was a reaction, but I think initially that was a lot of what was going on. It's kind of ironic, but yeah, definitely I was rebelling against my artistic um, upbringing. And uh, I always, I honestly, I, I was sort of that way what you were just describing. I mean, I, I really, I had wished many a time that, my parents would have been normal. Um, <laughs> I mean, we grew up where I grew up. It was a very suburban, um, very suburban middle-class um, town neighborhood. And everyone on the, on the block, you know, was sort of straight laced and so forth. And, you know, we were sort of the odd family. Mm. Um, my parents had a, my dad built, uh, he designed, didn't build it himself, but he designed a sort of an ex extension on the house, a studio in the back that they shared. And, uh, so that, and that was very, uh, had a lot of glass and it was skylights. It was kind of, it was beautiful, small, but it was very nice. And, uh, you know, that was, that was odd for, for that neighborhood. Um, so I often, you know, was like, God, I wish my parents were just like, yeah, know, not necessarily bankers. I, I don't think I've, uh, ever wished that, but you know, I think it was always, it just naturally kind of feel like you, um, you always want what you don't have, you know? Yeah. It's a sad fate of humans, but it's, it's pretty boilerplate, pretty standard. Sure. 
and then it becomes a question and that's why i believe in providing something for a child to rebel against and to be kind of aware of it almost like a performative theatrical aspect of parenting where yeah. you can like anticipate the reactive phase um mm. and then like not support the reaction in some weird way you know what i mean like you you sure. strip you strip the child of dignity uh <laughs> and that's actually how i feel about a lot of modernity that there's so few plate so few like hills to genuinely die on right. um, and they just strip that from you you can't even uh you don't know who the enemy is it's shadowy <laughs> that's a different topic anyway yeah well i have two uh i have two kids um and they're actually approaching that period uh, my son's uh, 15 my daughter's 13 so they are they are right on the uh the edge there of really Mm. Uh, developing uh, sort of as independent uh, free thinkers that want to separate and detach from what they've been brought up with. Um, my daughter's sort of the, I guess, more has the artistic inclination. And, you know, she's she has her own style. You know, she she's into what she likes and kind of ignores what I do. And yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the way I want it. I mean, like you said, you know, it's just, it's, I think it's a very natural, um, I I think it pushes society forward, (laughs) the younger generation, you know? Um, so yeah, so that's, that's definitely, uh, something I'm aware of right now. Definitely. So after, it sounds like you briefly went to school for, Something like cartooning. Well, I, I went to school for. Uh, I started off basically. I I went in thinking I wanted to do cart, uh, cartooning illustration, and oddly enough, I'm a bit older than you. Um, and when I went to school that first year, thinking, "Oh, good, you know, get get, get really learning about how to, you know, illustrate or whatever," and mm-hmm. it was all computer classes and this was i i didn't i grew up without a computer uh, my family didn't have computer it was really before this is the late 80s so um the idea of having to spend any energy at all on a computer was just completely counter to what i wanted and so that was a real turnoff. Um, and the whole sort of curriculum, that foundation year was just like, uh, you know, it was just, it was horrible. And, but I did take a modern art history class. And that was, as I mentioned earlier, kind of opened up the floodgates towards more creative arts. And I switched my major to painting. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That is an aspect of your work your personal work and the curation that makes sense to me that there's definitely a tactility and materiality and history of actual mistakes and revisions Mm -hmm. uh that you wouldn't genuinely see from a digital process oh yeah yeah no definitely uh my my work has a lot of it's very direct it's physical and so when did you, I don't, let's see, what has your career like been like from that, you know, from college forward? Well, 
uh, let's see. I, after uh, I graduated, um, I moved out to New Mexico for a year. Um, just to sort of rewind a bit, my parents, I mentioned, were teachers. And every summer, we would go to New Mexico. My dad's brother lived out in this really, really small poor little town north of Santa Fe uh, called El Rito. And uh, we used to rent a house uh, there and we'd spend every summer there, me growing up. Uh, every summer we would drive across the States in our VW. And uh, my mom and dad would go out every morning and paint. And I was left to uh, be by myself and working on my art which contained mostly cartoons. And that was my, my early introduction to what I would call heaven. Um, working and having no one around and all the time and freedom to work on what I wanted to work on. And that was very important for me artistically developing um, so getting back, um, I went to New Mexico and I was a, I, I was a studio assistant for Helen Frankenthaler, mm-hmm. yep. the artist. Uh, I did that for not too long. She would go there. So there was a, a master's program that she was involved with. And I saw I was her assistant there, which, which was a trip because that was a whole different area of art, of artistic professionalism that I had not been to, uh, inter- you know, I didn't have a lot of familiarity with just that, especially that generation. So yeah, uh, I actually like her work. I don't like Abex very much at all, but right. I do like her work. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. It was, you know, I didn't, honestly, I could have cared less about our art at the time. Um, but it was, it was an opportunity. So I did that. And then, um, I found that was that sort of was over and I found myself stuck out there. And so I called my friend uh, who Brian went to school with. And I said, you want to move New York? He's like, let's do it. He was in Philly and he was miserable in Philly. (laughs) Um, And so we moved to New York together. um, And uh, we lived together for about five years and he was a painter and we had uh, well, it wasn't a studio. It was basically our apartment. He painted the kitchen and I painted the living room. Um, that was basically our lives. We just kind of worked and survived. Um, and uh, so I, I, you know, I, I was in New York for about 10 years or so, 11 years, um, doing odd work. Um, I was a teacher. I taught uh, middle school in the South Bronx. Uh, taught art for a few years there, um, substitute teach, taught. Um, Were you in the careerist mode? Were you comprehending what it was necessary to actually succeed and be an artist in New York at that time? Yeah, I was. uh, But at the same time, I think I took myself probably more seriously than I needed to. Um, My... I'm very self-critical. I mean, most artists are. 
And I never felt my work was ready um, for others to look at and uh, to show work. Um, and I did show work. Um, and, you know, I was in a couple of group shows and, and so forth. But I, I definitely... Um, there was a part of me that was resistant because I, I, I felt like my work wasn't at that level. And I was pretty foolish, uh, at that point in my life because, you know, I didn't, I ended up not, uh, probably being as aggressive as I could have been. Um, yeah, you'd be amazed at how much bad art has market viability. So I think, I think, yeah, no, I'm well aware. (laughs) Um, but, you know, uh, what I did, though, is I, I was sort of disillusioned as well with the art world, as many artists tend to be, you know, at a certain point. You know, you kind of, um, I was disillusioned and turned off by um, the elitism. Um, I was turned off by... Um, the personalities that I encountered. Sure. Um, and so I actually started to think about returning to illustration. And there was a period for about four years where I worked on the, I actually ended up working on the computer and uh, developed sort of an illustrational style or whatnot and uh started to do editorial illustration so i did that for maybe three years um okay so we share yeah we share a lot in common yeah Um, yeah and i will say that i probably went through a similar phase Uh, i like merit so illustration is a pure meritocracy in the sense of they never want to see a degree they just want to see a portfolio in the art world the art world's a complete opposite because what people are dealing with is so intangible in terms of its value that the only thing they can do is tack on degrees and identity politics and whatever they can do to actually convince someone to buy it, they'll do. Um, Totally. So it's a funny fall from grace. You know, I think when you're young, you place such purity on museums and, and the careers of artists you revere who are fine artists. And then, as you navigate it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see where I think it's really hard to succeed in an environment that you don't respect and, yeah. or don't feel a part of holistically. Uh, for me, I had the fortunate brief moment in my life where I was wholeheartedly engaged in alternative comics and the scene was what I wanted it to be, you know? Right. And, and then it, you know, things change in my life and things probably change in the scene where I, it become, it became unpalatable. So yeah, it's, it's really complicated to under, to find a good fit for yourself while pleasing all your idiosyncratic desires, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think what you mentioned earlier was, was definitely a factor of, I, suddenly became very enamored with the idea of, you know, emailing an art director and mailing it off and getting a check. Um, that was at 
the time I was very satisfied with that and it was a nice relief, um, you know, kind of harkened back to my sort of early artistic interests in illustration and cartooning. Um, Which cartoons specifically were influential early on? Or comic books or whatever. Yeah. What do you think uh, were the cornerstones of that influence? It's hard to say. Um, I was definitely um, very interested in uh, early early Mad Magazine. Mm. Um, Will Elder um, specifically and uh, some of Jack Davis's stuff. And I was, I used to collect back issues of mad um and the humor i was really attracted to and so that was a that was definitely an influence um and a lot of older comics uh i had a pretty decent sized collection of old comics from the uh 50s um and kind of collected those that most of that collection was actually from my grandmother grandmother's attic which i kind of collected from that <laughs> and so I, a lot of you know, early nothing really that fancy it was just you know i can't note any any real influences from those comics other than the time period and the stories and the drawing, uh, you know, those were, those were influences, um, I could say. Um, and, uh, but, I, you know, and comics, you know, I wasn't really into any kind of alternative comics per se. Um, I guess I was kind of naive to that. Um, you know, I wasn't, I never had a zap phase. Uh, you know, I wasn't really savvy to, um, underground comics and, and that sort of whole culture until I was in college later on in college, actually. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my, my influences, influences were, um, sort of naive in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, but what were we talking about? Can't no, remember. I was just. I'm always curious about the. Uh, for me, like uh, influences of cartoons were just simply what I was allowed to watch and watched. You know, it's like right. a oh, giant, sure. giant primordial goo of. I don't know anything from like Beast Wars to, I mean, I have four older brothers, so it, it kind right. of allowed me to access older stuff as well mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. he he-man toys and old old star wars toys and there's kind of this what i would say is pre-renaissance rigidity to those kind of toys where it's like yeah they they're more of like half a symbol half a person right uh, yeah. as opposed to the muscly realism of later toys right so i i always like that I mean, granted, I did like toys with multiple points of articulation. Obviously, that's <laughs> always a selling point. But I love Legos, same thing. They're just like, they're like stuck. Oh, yeah. Legos. 
but no, I wasn't hip. I wasn't hip to any. Like when I, again, four older brothers, so I was like reading Spawn, and right. the edgiest thing going on for me in comics was probably Todd McFarlane and Paul Pope later. Mm-hmm. But not until I went to school in Philly did I encounter CF and the whole picture box influence, right? Uh, like the Harry Who energy, mm-hmm. which I feel like I see present in some of your work, maybe. Mm-hmm. But at least there's like that's a thread, right? Some of those artists. Yeah, no. Uh that, and I probably got more familiar with those artists in college and after college. Um gotcha. but they, yeah, there's definitely there's some of that in there. Um in respect to finding I mean if I you know this is often a much more mystical and intuitive process than I think I'm about to make it sound like, but do you have a very tangible process for trying to find new artists to, to post about, uh, to, to curate, to show people yeah. dead or alive? Uh, I mean, it's definitely intuitive. But is it like you're looking that. through books, you're looking through a certain well, website, you're looking through... Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think over over time I've sort of developed um, a certain process. Um, you know, I have, obviously, I spend way too much time on the computer. And uh, so, you know, I go through collections and museums, online collections, old auctions, um, blogs, personal, you know, websites. Um, Mm. I look through everything, you know, I mean, my favorite, uh, I know that there are a lot of museums whose online collections or they don't have online collections. I want to go visit them, but those are my favorite. I love going through museum collections and kind of digging through, um, the lesser, um, I guess sought after pieces of art, drawings, and notebook scribbles. And, uh, that stuff is fascinating to me. Um, yeah, that's certainly a large facet of the curation. I feel like the B sides of very talented and established artists, which are often much more interesting, right? Than the what would you say, the on brand. Uh, expression of a, any particular artist over a lifetime. So, yeah, I think I think that's very cool to see. Whether that's Augustine mm-hmm. or whomever, right? There's there's something really interesting about the fringes to artist work that the market doesn't like. I I can imagine you might have difficulty selling, for instance, Augustine that isn't quite Augustine, or <laughs> or and take any artist that sure it, it isn't their thing. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really, I am attracted to that, um, more than the greatest hits, I guess you could say. Um, I, I do search out those outliers. Um, uh, I think I, there's some kind of connection I feel with kind of peripheral visions yeah. that artists have, um, things that are possibly explored yet remain unfulfilled, um, you know, detours, um, all that 
you know, is very, very interesting to me. So I will, I do search out for sure. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of like a good example. Gustin's one, you know, that's definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his and Magritte's another, um, I'm always sort of in clay and, you know, a lot of these major modern artists, um, the amount of work they produced is just kind of insane. And, uh, you know, you can always sort of find interesting things that, you know, don't necessarily line up with your perception of that artist. Um, and that, that is definitely, you know, I didn't really mention that as sort of when you asked me to, uh, sort of um, summarize my curation style. That was one um, kind of going uh, sort of the, like you said, the B-sides. Um, yeah, for me, it's the discomfort. I really don't like, and that's why I was probably not a great gallerist in the end. I don't like when artists are comfortable and understand what they're doing. This would be true of, I'm not interested in Wes Anderson very much. Uh, Neither am I. For that reason. <laughs> Now, I like when this is obfuscated with like an animated aspect, like Fantastic Mr. Fox, but right, right. I'm truly uninterested in, and even in my own work, like every time I make a book, I feel, and it's frustrating, honestly, but I feel like uh, I have to introduce some impediments to make myself uncomfortable. But it's mm -hmm. funny because it runs contrary to the careerist mentality, I think, where you're supposed to double down on that moment when you've found your stride and you're supposed to commodify the identity you've crystallized. And no knock on that, you know, I think there's 8 billion people, so maybe you should because <laughs> people, aren't, people aren't interested in your multitudes. They're interested in what you are when there's that right. many humans. Right. But for me, it's, I'm so, I got so bored of, okay, I understand who you are now. Okay, you know, I, I know what you're trying to do. It's working. Right. And this is a little immature, you know, like, honestly, I think there's, it's a little negative anti in some ways. Cause you know, there's probably aspects that Wes Anderson's exploring uh, beyond the visual, but I guess I'm very visual. So um, I probably enter into everything visually first. And if I see comfort there, from an artist, mm -hmm. especially when it starts making money, I'm just suspicious. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. And you know, I I can't knock an artist for finding a, a language, or um, be it through symbols or imagery or technique or what have you. And and you know, um, die, you know, living in that world um for a career i mean there are artists that definitely have done it i you know part of part of me i was i've always been sort of like and jealous of like those artists who like you know i can't think of any really off the top of my head but just you know they hit on something it's like that's mine now you know i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna take that and i'm gonna run with it for the rest of my life <laughs> there's a certain kind of like wow that's that's pretty amazing that you could do that. I, uh, yeah. Cause I'm like you, I, I tend to am constantly putting up impediments. Um, you know, I, I, I have a hard time from work from one work to another 
uh, sort of doing the same thing twice. I'm, I'm always tinkering, um, you know, with the work I have, I always have probably three or four experiments that are going on. Um, and I think that's probably why I am attracted to, um, lesser known, uh, or like I said, sort of peripheral kind of artworks from others, from those artists. I also am very interested in children's art and I'm fascinated with, uh, early or, you know, artists, you know, artists from art history of note and, and the work they produced as, as children, some really amazing mm. work out there. The, uh, the Paul Clay uh, collection that, that I've, I've frequented um, his, his work is his childhood work is really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm very, I, I, I love that. Um, that's a huge, huge uh, thing for me to always get involved with. I'm always interested in children's art. Well, that's logical, right? Cause they're, Kind of like a, they're seeking symbols that are very pure, and they don't mm. have the skill yet to visually represent realism, so they're kind of hung up and they're they're frustrated, mm-hmm. trying to get that out. That's uh, oh, amazing watching children make art. One because they have no understanding of the material value of a potentially good drawing or the materials they're using to make it. So they're just like uh, violently seeking images. Yeah. They're just, it's just a spigot. Yeah. They're just. It's a necessity, you know, like, yeah, no, I, well, I, you know, I, my children, um, I, we have, we've kept everything that they've done or tried to at least, you know, keep as much as we can. I actually have a portfolio that's jammed with all my drawings from when I was probably two or three. Um, when I was a kid, my parents or my mother especially used to, you know, they, I don't know if you ever seen those huge rolls of like brown construction yeah. paper. Well, she used to get those from her college where she taught and she would line the hallways with that brown paper. And, you know, I would do like, I would, before I could stand, I was kind of drawing up, I was leaning on the wall and drawing. She always said, I drew these little circles. I was always drawing these little, these little circles. And, you know, so I think that connection to that primordial kind of, uh, I don't know, place or is, is something that I, I try to tap into um, and and I look for that. Yeah. In respect to the more tangible aspect of the venture, how is it that you've come to have 224,000 Instagram followers? <laughs> what is that process like? When did you start doing it? Was this something that started on Instagram or existed on Tumblr or had a website like what's what was that like well it's interesting um i had never done any curation before the first probably the first curation i did was um for a radio show that i hosted um this was for a couple years i i sort of backtracking after living in new york i met my my current wife my wife and uh we 
moved up to the Catskills, which seems to be kind of a very mm-hmm. traveled path these days. But um, so we we moved up there and, and we're renovating a house and there's a local station up there. And I knew the, uh, the music, quote unquote, director. And um, yeah, so I, I was I had a show for a couple of years um, and, you know, looking, you know, that was like. The, the show was very eclectic. It's it was very much a sound um, audio kind of version of my my Instagram. In the sense that I would, you know, sort of seek out um, oddities, outsider music, um, underground, you know, uh, odd movie soundtracks, and I would layer them um, with some spoken word. And it was, I mean. It, I played a lot of standard under underground punk rock and outsider rock and stuff, but you know, there was always this sort of sound collage element. And anyway, um, so when I, I, that's around the time I discovered Tumblr and I did, I really got sucked into Tumblr. Um, and you know, but not just for art, you know, for music and, and everything. I had a Tumblr, like kind of like a web page for the radio show that I used to post things. And so that was kind of my first foray into sort of just spending way too much time on the internet. And um, so we, we left uh, the Catskills and moved. I'm, I'm in Asheville right now, Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, we up and left and moved down here for, a variety of different different reasons, uh, mostly health reasons, family health. Uh, we needed to be near uh, my wife's parents, um, and that's when I kind of started to look at Instagram. Um, I can't remember who recommended it, but whatever. I just started looking at it, and um, so that curation kind of continued that I was doing on Tumblr. I started that on Instagram and just um, I think what probably led to more or less uh, a following was um, having some friends that I connected with on Instagram who were artists in New York. And um, I think sort of putting, I don't know, I, you know, it's, it's like there wasn't a strategy, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. there wasn't uh, this, conscious i'm gonna do this and you know i'm gonna do this and that and you know it was really just posting things that i was interested in um and you know just i guess it just sort of um developed um and you know i think i was sending out in my mind i was sending out energies and connections um to other people that I didn't know. And I was sort of unconsciously developing this kind of like community of like-minded people. Um, And it, it, it grew. um, And yeah, it just, it just started to grow. You know, I can't really, I can't really put my finger on it. No, it makes sense to me that this was born of Tumblr. Because yeah. it, it has the energy of Tumblr, not of Instagram. Right. And 
And by that, I mean, because Tumblr was something I was very interested in and it helped me build a career and surely it has imprinted my taste and a lot of things about what I do now. But that was simply a format that wasn't full of all these bells and whistles and algorithms. It was just, is the image or the content good? Right. I didn't think it. I just thought to myself, I need to draw every day and post every day and be consistent. And uh, that worked back then. Right. And then I, I personally just barely tried when Instagram emerged uh, to transition because I was like, I don't feel like doing this again, this uh, social yeah. media game. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's encouraging to hear stories like yours where they aren't so calculated outside of just the thing itself, the content itself. Actually, I hesitate to call it content. The curation itself, it's simply what you're interested in. I'm sure you sustained it over a long duration and you've been fairly regular with it. And now it looks as if you're trying to transition it into more of like a online gallery, right? Like I don't, yeah. to my knowledge, and I don't look at social or Instagram very much, but I don't recall it being framed in that way until more recently. Is that accurate? Yeah. Um, probably, I think this January was our second year of operation. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I, you know, I do generally five to six posts a day. Okay. Um, and um, I've done it every day for the last four years. I haven't missed a day. And I think um, the, I try to keep that, you know, I don't want the gallery that we're, uh, I'm operating uh, online to, I don't want my Instagram to be, you know, a vehicle for advertising for the gallery. Um, it's important to me that the Instagram account remain as pure as it possibly can. Um, that said, um, I, I do like, I try to post artists that we, um, uh, have on uh, the website and, and the, the gal, the online gallery is interesting because, um, I hadn't done anything like that. I, I was asked to curate a show online a few years back and, um, through, through my Instagram and, uh, and I, so I had never really considered the idea of, you know, reaching out to artists and connecting with them in that way. But, um, I curated that show and I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, uh, sort of introducing myself, uh, to artists that I had tremendous respect for and admiration for. Um, and kind of, I mean, doing it obviously through email, I didn't really, I wasn't on the phone with these people, but, you know, just sort of developing professionally, uh, some kind of relationship with these artists. And I really enjoyed it. And, you know, that was sort of the impetus for the, for the gallery that's, that we're running right now. When I say we, my, my wife and I, we, we, we operate it together. 
Um, and yeah, we have a lot of, you know, basically we do, I curate, I try to curate at least three or four or more, uh, group thematic group shows. Um, we've done a lot of different interesting group shows. One was just, just give you an idea. Um, I did one, uh, called the rogues gallery, which was sort of, um, kind of based on the, uh, the traditional sort of mugshot. Um, and I invited a number of artists, uh, Matt Lines, um, mm-hmm. Michael Sweeney. Um, oh gosh, I mean, I'm my memory shot, but you know, it was a, it was a lot of artists and they all did sort of these kind of like shoulder to head kind of headshots and it was a whole show of that which was a lot of fun i enjoyed that so you know i I try to do these thematic shows but uh as well uh, focusing on individual artists you know that i'm discovering myself um or through friend or whatever um this like we currently have a show up uh this artist in new york alex Caveras. And um, next month, we're going to be launching, a sh- not next next month, next week, we're going to be launching a, a one-person online show of this British painter, Lisa Ivory. Um, and that those shows stay online for, for a month, and we have other things going on as well. So it's, it, yeah, it keeps us busy, for sure. And uh, between that and the, and the Instagram and my own work and being a parent, um, you know, my schedule is, is, is pretty full. Um, I've actually delved into um, Substack, which is mm. frightening. Um, I don't know much about it. It seems interesting structurally. I just, you know, I don't. Yeah, it's I'm new to cautious, me too. cautious with these holes. I, I know. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. Um, yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting. I'm I'm enjoying it. It's kind of a new thing for me. I'm kind of. Uh, it's, you know, mostly, mostly written, which is, mm, I, I yeah. like the fact that it's very different from Instagram, which is very visual. Um, it's a nice sort of break, I think, from the endless hours of looking. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that the gallery, I'm, I'm enjoying the gallery, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of fun. Um, I feel like it's been you know, pretty well received. We got a lot of nice compliments from, from artists we've worked with and, and, you know, selling work is a whole, um, new, uh, thing that we're kind of learning on the job, but, you know, we, I, I do have, we both, my, my wife went to RISD. So we, you know, we have sort of a, she used to work in museums and whatnot. So we, you know, we have a little bit of background in, in that. So, you know, we're able to put that to use. Um, and have you found it, uh, financially stable, not stable, but, but is it, is it feasible? Yeah, it's, it's not really, uh, not now. Um, we are, we're definitely, I think we've grown incredibly in the last two years. Mm Um, I was, I recently quit my, my, my day job, to focus um, exclusively on the gallery, and uh, and so that was a that was a bit of a leap, 
Um, but we had, we had sort of saved a little bit so we could kind of make that leap. We were, we were sort of planning on it. So it's, it's growing, you know, I think it's, it's on a good track. I mean, I would say the trajectory is positive. That's good. I mean, two years, two years for any business is, is, you know, you definitely expect to lose money and if you're not that's amazing even if you're making a little or breaking even yeah but i think yeah go ahead i was just going to say our model luckily you know aside from processing rates and and you know um fee you know like paying for a website i mean there's no real overhead uh which is tremendous yeah it's great no rent brick and mortar rent uh you're dealing with small drawings, which means pretty easy shipping, no mm-hmm. storage of large, obnoxious paintings, which I do love and I've stored. But <laughs> I think if I could do it again, I would probably do something similar to what you're doing, where you keep it flat, you keep it drawings, paintings that are just on paper, maybe a thin canvas or Yeah, we've, panel. we've shipped paintings before. I mean, we it's really it's just to keep the costs down. I mean, I have... I have I have no problem with, um, we've dealt with plenty of paintings on canvas. We, you know, we, there is a size limitation of course, but, um, we, we, we handle paintings on canvas. Um, we've, I've shown sculptures. I haven't hmm. sold any sculptures, so I've never experienced dealing with that. Um, but the, uh, this, the shipping, and dealing with the exchange rates and, you know, we, we sell to uh, collectors all around the world. And, you know, so we're, we're always dealing, you know, with an artist who lives in Australia to a collector that lives in Japan and, or, you know, wherever. And so it's that, that's been probably the biggest learning curve we've had to sort of, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say we, <laughs> My wife, I think, probably has handled a hundred percent of that. Um, but regardless, uh, I'm there for support. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 been uh, it's been fun. Yeah, I think. I mean, I consider these kind of opportunities or ventures nothing short of miraculous in the grand scheme of human history. Uh, and that's what I hope to depict on the podcast at times is like, it's pretty abnormal, uh, the period we live in and the things you might be able to do to sustain yourself or your family, you know, and it's hard, it's easy to lose sight of that in the, in the nonsense that is, but Mm -hmm. to really, truly have a fulfilling occupation, which wasn't even part of the prerequisite of occupations for all of time, I feel, but to also be able to express one's soul or taste simultaneously. This is, I do think, miraculous. But getting there is often very circuitous and strange. It's it's not like there's a formula. And mm. it definitely requires these leaps and patience and as trite as that may sound sacrifices of some sort especially early in one's life yeah i'm sure um 
without a doubt. And uh, I think, you know, we definitely, we, we didn't choose this road. It chose us, so to speak. Um, and it was definitely not foreseeable. Uh, if you asked, you know, my wife and I, like three years ago, would we be working together every day in the, our office slash studio, um, spending all our time working on this project? Um, you know, I wouldn't have believed it. Um, and I do feel fortunate, you know, like we, my wife and I try to go on walks in the morning and kind of have our plan out our day. And, you know, we, every so often, you know, we do, we kind of step back and go, this is amazing. You know, <laughs> this is just like, it's so wonderful that we can, you know, I've, I've developed so many amazing relationships. And for me, that's, that's, that's hard. Uh, you know, I've, I've had tremendous social anxiety in my life. Um, I still do. Um, and I, I think to be able to connect with people um, virtually, for the most part, um, is, has been um, very um, helpful to me um, as a person. And I think one of the reasons I, you know, you were talking about my own work and we mentioned earlier about, you know, how when I was in New York, early on, I, I never felt like my work was ready. I think what was helpful to me personally was learning about artists more, um, you know, their processes. Also, um, understanding that there are so many different people out there and so many different possibilities. There are so many different um, personalities, organizational you know, techniques, uh, whatever, you know, there's just so much out there. And I think early on, I was very much rigid with like, this is the way it's got to be done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think through Instagram, I started to open up, uh, my idea of really what art was in terms of making art and being a professional artist. It really, um, it was very, um, helpful to me personally. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that, and that's probably why I, myself, after three years of running a gallery, stepped back. I, too, came to a similar conclusion that the relationships were more interesting and important than the business side of the process. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had a physical storefront, so... right. I was like, well, that doesn't, you know, there's probably a multitude of ways to achieve that end without losing money. And that's what the podcast really serves. Uh, the same idea you were saying is, I mean, it's obvious artists are humans and humans are fractured and varied. So they're going to have different approaches, et cetera. But it is so frequent that there are just uh, archetypes or categories we default to, and especially there's like certain romantic notions about artists that are that dominate. But yeah. you know, I like for me the interview process is more intimate than the curation process, and sure. 
but the curation process is in, is enlightening about one's own self and one's own taste and and how to fit oneself into the world. Mm-hmm. Just as I feel collaboration is, you get to understand what you can give to the world right. and what your strengths and weaknesses are. So I can understand that, you know, for me, the gallery was also a way to blossom as you're, as you are uh, speaking of, even from a, you know, social perspective. It's, right. It was the way for me to come out of the shell of making comics in a room, you know, in a way that was equally beneficial. And I, I can also relate to that idea. Can, yeah, no, I can definitely see that. I mean, I've, uh, since you had, you know, reached out to me, I, I've been listening to a lot of your archive shows and, and I've really, I've enjoyed them tremendously. Um, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I've been really, uh, and actually one of the, I, a couple of the artists that you've interviewed, um, I have, there's some overlap there. David Henri Anderson is on our, uh, on our website and, and, and Christopher Davidson, um, as well. And uh, I'm going to be curating a show in, uh, Next month, that uh, Matt Locke, I think you, you know, oh, Matt yeah. Locke, he'll be in that show. So he's a New Jersey boy too. Yeah, yeah, that was a good interview. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's great. character. He's great. His, you know, I love it when art and personality seem to like merge so seamlessly. Oh, I mean, I think it's pretty common, right? Like I've always felt from the Tumblr days that. I pretty much knew who I could and would be friends with who, if I reached out to them. Right. Based on what they made, it was very rare that I didn't have a very clear insight into who the person was based on what they make, even if it was non-representational. I sure. think that's, that says a lot. Um, but yeah, the artists are telling on themselves brutally with what they make, obviously, if yeah. they're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, that like going back to the idea of, you know, with the Instagram, I mean, that was a lot of, I feel, I feel very close in some psychically or something uh, with a lot of the followers that I interact with. And, um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I mean, it was a thought. I feel like it was a fairly complete thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt Locke, the personality is that. That's right. Um, yeah, but you know, the funny thing is, artists generally, I mean, from my, now this is not from personal experience. I'm talking about more like films and sometimes artists can be, you know, quite the bore, you know, like, um, I don't know. I, there's, I, I, I remember, I don't know if you've ever seen, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it, I think it's called like American painting now or something. It's, it was from like the late sixties. No. Um, and it interviewed that generation, that transition from uh, late ab, abex to pop to minimalism, like that whole I think it was made in 71. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of the personalities are just like just you know very dry and not very interesting I and mean, of course what you know things that they're discussing and talking but i think just in terms of personality um you know it's sometimes the artist can be can leave a little bit uh, leave you a little flat um 
when you meet them. That's again, that's not totally from personal experience, but what I've encountered. No, but it makes sense because many of them are holed up in a room all day. And right. so that's actually part of the challenge of this project I'm doing where one artist, I mean, I've been fortunate where most of them are, are willing to do it, but oftentimes they think they're a, a bore afterwards and I re reassure them, no, there's <laughs> absolutely nothing wrong with what you said or, right. and it was interesting. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of the trade-off of, of developing a skill that's a social, right. And then, you know, entering the phase of your life where usually you have to come out of that shell, I think right. yeah. for maturation's sake, but yeah, it's, it's hard to develop all of these things in tandem and to do them genuinely. Obviously, I've seen people do it for careerist reasons, which then creates a kind of, I don't know, it can be a bit... <laughs> the rock star. Yeah, or detached, you know. Right. Uh, it can be, like, uh, inauthentic because it was a necessity that came suddenly, you know. Right, like, right. Oh, oh, shit, now I have to yeah. go to these parties in New York and be accepted or in LA or whatever. Right, right, and right. it's partially why I really like talking to comic artists and illustrators again, because it's just not an aspect of it. It's right. And there's something about drawing that is forever incomplete in some weird way. Like even it, there's something like, I like, I really like the sketches of Raphael more than the paintings of Raphael. Right. And and I'm not even sure if I can articulate it, but drawing has always been this sub, or not always, but there are moments in art history where I feel like it just sub to the process of painting. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Traditionally, that was always the case. Um, yeah. They were always steps leading towards a final product of a painting. Right, there's something I, I, fetal about it, and that makes that yeah. makes it interesting to me. Especially people who pursue it, like Matlock. I, <laughs> I always I feel like he's the like the ultra refined, as I was saying in the interview, twelve year old boy drawing at his desk in class. It's like <laughs> yeah, this, uh, exactly. There's something immediate and intimate, and I think that shows in your cur curation as well. That polish is not being sought, you know, right, and. Right. Uh, I mean, almost in like a packaged way, like the things aren't quite packaged. Right. The people aren't quite packaged. Right. And that's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a very interesting temptation and moment that a lot of artists are more and more aware of because they themselves are the product in a way that was never true before because artists didn't have the opportunity to control the narrative right. quite in the same way. Yeah, no, it's true. And, uh, you know, I've always been, I think I, I'm a huge admirer of personality, you know, like the cult of personality. And um, I think it's just natural that you, you sort of build up these artists in your mind and uh, often what's 
developed in your mind is much more grandiose than the the actual person sure um and uh i think actually that's one of the reasons i've um i mean there it wasn't the initial thing but i think uh being anonymous um with my instagram um i think people were able to sort of place whatever idea they had of who I was or what I was doing or thinking about um, and sort of let their imagination sort of go, you know, and I, I, I'm sort of, I'm just the shadow in the background, you know? Yeah. I was going to let you bring that up anonymity because I, yeah. I'm curious about it, but do you foresee how you'll handle that in the future? Do you want to preserve that anonymity as long as possible? Yeah, it's funny. It's It's been a real pain in the ass. Um, I mean, professionally speaking, uh, you know. Um, well, how anonymous are you, if I may ask? <laughs> to what degree? Like, if someone's yeah. emailing you... Do they know your name? Do they know who you are? <laughs> well, we, you know, it's funny. I, I never, yeah, I was completely anonymous uh, for before the gallery. Um, it was only after uh, we launched the gallery. You know, my wife was like, you know, people want to know that they're dealing with a person. You know, it's like that you're not some sort of like bot or something. You know, it's like, you know, you want to have some sort of, uh, you want to put some kind of human face on what, what it is you're doing. So I said, fine. And I started, uh, I, I, anyone I deal with professionally, um, I, my first name and I use my first name and, and we're very cordial that way. And I just, I kind of keep, uh, my, my last name, uh, not, not, uh, not public. And that's, you know, again, I, I don't know. I think it, it's sort of become like an albatross bit, you know, it's like, I, it's been, it's been interesting on, on a lot of levels. Like, I think it's like I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of artists that I interact with are always curious. And I think that curiosity is kind of a cool thing. Um, but, you know, in terms of how long it's going to last, it remains to be seen. I mean, th honestly, you know, this podcast was, you know, a decision I had to make um, in terms of putting my myself out there a bit. Um, I'm actually, um, I'm going to be coming on some, uh, for my own work, some, some a show or two in New York um, coming up. And I'm going to be, uh, you know, sort of out a little bit more. So I think this is kind of we're enter I'm entering into this phase where I'm going to be a little bit more uh, of a of a of a real person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean keep it as long as you can. I know I'm doing some part in reducing it, but I mean, I don't know. Is anyone going to identify you by your voice in New Jersey? I mean, no, no, so this no, is a dense, this is I, a dense state. Well, it's more about like, just, I mean, <laughs> it, I think it honestly was just that it was that, that wall I'd kind of built, you know, it was, um, I was just very, very 
used to not, you know, kind of taking relationships or interactions to a certain level and then kind of not going past that. So that's the only reason. But but honestly, like I said, with um, I think it's good for me as a personally, I think it's something that um, I am uh, I'm learning a bit about, you know, myself and and, and you know, the anonymity, there's something behind it that's that wasn't necessarily strategic. You know, it was I think I my, my social anxiety is such that um, I, I wanted to be a shadow, um, personally, you know, I think I, when I, when I started the Instagram, I was very, very isolated, um, moving from, you know, being in New York, living up in the Catskills and kind of building a life there and suddenly having to turn everything around and move South in a new culture was a bit of a shock and, I didn't know anybody, um, and I didn't know I know new or I didn't know any artists, so I was very isolated. So I felt like a shadow, and right. um, I think the uh, the anonymity kind of reflected that. So you said you had some shows coming up. Uh, yeah, well, the, 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 I'm not sure. I think I can probably mention it. Um, uh, it's going to be next month uh, at uh, Jack Hanley Gallery. Oh, nice. Um, and that's going to be, yeah, it's going to be uh, myself. Um, I'll be exhibiting some of my work. And then we're also going to be featuring four artists from the gallery. Um, nice. So it's, I'll be curating that. So it's going to be pretty much kind of our, our deal. And it, it, it is a, it's a good opportunity. So we're excited about that. Um, we're starting to sort of apply to some, uh, I know it's mm-hmm. the, the evil word, but some mm-hmm. art fairs, mm-hmm. um, because that is, you know, being online since we don't have a brick and mortar, uh, you know, I think interacting and having a place where people can actually physically see the work is it can be, it's been, a challenge at times. And I think the art fair was sort of an idea that maybe we could be a little more nimble and, you know, maybe participate here and there, um, get ourselves out there. So, um, but yeah, so that show will be up. I think it's mid March. Uh, I'll probably, I'll probably announce it on my, on my Instagram when that, when that all is going to happen. Oh, sounds good. So if people want to meet you in person, yeah. Yeah, happen. I know. That's going to be, that'll be <laughs> you know, it's funny. It'll be interesting because, you know, in my mind, I, I don't really think m- much of, you know, myself or whatever. And I think it'll be interesting, like kind of, okay, I'm going to be here. You know, I just want to see what the turnout's like, you know, it could be kind of interesting. I don't know. I mean, it may be nobody, it may be, you know, 50 people. I don't know. So we'll see. I'm, I'm sure people will come out. Well, it's bedtime. Yeah, sure I know. For both of us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, nice, uh, nice speaking with you. Enjoyed it a lot, and uh, keep it up. Same. Have All a good right. night. Bye. 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 Music by Dory Bavarsky and Ming Jachin. Next up, we have Noah Van Skyver. Enjoy your week.